BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today is a very special episode because it's my 100th episode, and I'm so excited. It's the final episode of season one, and I'm so thrilled to have my guest and friend, Dr. Elisha Goldstein, who is the co-founder of the Center for Mindful Living and the creator of a program called A Course in Mindful Living. He's a psychologist, author, and speaker who synthesizes the pearls of traditional psychotherapy with a progressive integration of mindfulness to achieve mental and emotional healing. There's no better time than talking about concrete strategies to support our children's anxiety and our own anxiety than a time when we have all this positive summer feelings and freedom and change with a lot of uncertainty and new experiences after the world has been so shut down. So I'm thrilled to give you some concrete support. We're even doing a little moment of mindfulness to start the episode because why not give yourself that minute of luxury, which really does make a difference. And because this is my last episode of season one, and I am so grateful that you have all been here with me, I just want to thank you for your support. And please DM me on my Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast. Tell me what guests you want to hear from, what topics you want to hear about for season two. I'm excited to share it with you. And I'm going to be adding one more episode per month, a bonus episode with Q&As from you guys. So keep sending them in. And if you feel like saying a little congratulations and um, maybe giving a shout out about your favorite episode so far, please don't hesitate to write it on anywhere where you're getting your podcasts where they have an opportunity to write a review. And thank you for listening and being here and being part of this community. So um, uh, here's a practice you could do anywhere, anytime. And it's so simple and it's going to help us just break out of the autopilot uh, that we get stuck in a lot that makes us feel stressed or anxious or not fully in control of our minds and our lives, what can happen a lot. And it's something I call mindful check-in. Super simple. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do and then we're going to do it. So in any given moment, there's three things happening. There's our body, how we're feeling and our sensations and our, how we're feeling emotionally and just the quality of our attention. And so I'm going to bring you through those three things. And you, your job is just to see what you notice as you do it. Okay. So let's start off by just taking a couple of deep breaths. Maybe it could be in through the nose, out through the mouth, or in through the nose, out through the nose. <sighs> an opportunity to release the moment you were just in into this moment right now. And just noticing how your body's feeling right now. Noticing if there's any tension or holding anywhere, including your, your face. Sometimes we forget that our face is a part of our body. If you do notice any tension, see if you can allow that to soften or maybe even adjust your body or maybe do a gentle stretch opening that part of your body. Noticing how with a little awareness you have the ability to do this.
And also being curious about what's here emotionally, what's present for you. It could be something simple like feeling comfortable or uncomfortable or maybe just neutral. Be something more nuanced like feeling restless or anxious or engaged or at ease or irritated. And also noticing the quality of your attention right now. If you're able to be here with this practice or if your mind seems cluttered and distracted, which is totally fine if it does, you're just taking note of that. You're more after the awareness piece than where your mind's at. If you do notice that, just take a deep breath, release, come back, come back to being here with us. Now just noticing how you're feeling. Noticing what's here. And we'll just continue from here. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I like to say at the end of anyone doing anything for themselves is to really take a moment to, we don't do this very often. We don't really acknowledge ourselves for taking time to take care of ourselves in any way. And sometimes that's also just a nice thing to do. Like, what if that was more top of mind for us more often that like, oh yeah, I, I did do this good thing for myself. Like, oh, that, okay, that's good. All right, good. <laughs> there was more goodness at the top of our mind. That would be good. Uh, also, yeah, just talking to ourselves in that way would be great. <laughs> yeah, a nice I change. Would, I mean, I was saying thank you to you, but I'm going to also say thank you to me. <laughs> thank you to me for doing that with you. <laughs> Okay, so I want to dive into using mindfulness to support, support anxiety seems like not what I'm trying to say. Support like, ourselves. Support yeah. ourselves through anxiety and support our children. And you have so much, so many directions that we could go in here today, but I want to focus mostly on practical strategies that make sense for busy families. And given that you are truly living the busy family life as the father of three boys and husband of a wonderful Stephanie, <laughs> I thought that that might be our focus. And also because it's so hard to grasp what it can do for you as a person who's got so many balls in the air and so much to support and also support yourself and believe and buy into the fact that that's actually going to make everything have more ease because it can sound like I just don't have time to prioritize that right now. So thinking about your work as a psychologist, as a mindfulness expert, and as a father of three I'd like you to just go. Yeah, I think maybe the first thing for everyone to know is that like, I used to struggle like with anxiety. Like anxiety was definitely a thing for me. Like I used to struggle with insomnia. I never forget the moment I woke up in the middle of the night and and I thought I was gonna die. And I drove myself to the hospital, like barely able to look over the steering wheel and got to the hospital and this, and it told the lady like, I need to be seen immediately. And she handed me this, thick stack of papers, what seemed like mountains of books in front of me to say like, can you fill this out first? And I thought, I'll fill it out, but I'll probably be dead before I fill it out. So I think you should see me like immediately. And she said, no, 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 just fill it out. She knew a little bit more than I did. And so um, by the time I finished filling it out, I actually felt a whole lot better. And, and when they saw me, they said, oh, that was just a panic attack. And, you know, so that was, that's been something in my background. So if anyone listening to this, like struggles with anxiety, you know, and struggles also with like moments of panic maybe, or has trouble sleeping because their mind is so busy, you know, that, that this is stuff that can really help. It's been so healing to me and it comes with a little bit, a little splash of understanding some of the science behind it and then some of the practice of it and, and then a little bit of trusting yourself. And, you know, if we can do those three things, we can begin to just kind of cool down the jets of our mind and our body and our nervous system and start to feel a whole lot more personal control. So one of the things I, I think I want to say as far as from a parenting perspective, 
is it's hard for any of this stuff to work with our kids if we're, and you've everyone's heard this before, if we're not really doing this ourselves, if there's not an embodiment of it. It's kind of like when you're a, when you're in your job or whatever you're doing, and let's say you're speaking to other people and you're training other people and you haven't fully integrated the job from the inside out, then it's hard to train other people in it because they just don't buy it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and if you've done it, if you've done it though, you can say, Hey, I've been there, you know, and, and there's a connection that's created. And, and so um, for me, that one of the things to really understand is that anxiety is something that lives in our nervous system. It's, and our nervous system is a system that is in our head, our brain connected down our spine through our arms and hands and legs. And it's literally like nerves. What happens is, as we know, as many of you might, might already know, that when we're feeling anxious, it's literally as if our, our nerves are clinging to something. And it's clinging to something because we're typically worrying about something. And it's all totally interconnected. And um, one of the things that's really helpful from the outset that we know from some of the science, and I'll tell you, but the study, and it, to me, it was like revelatory. Something that science does for me is it usually tells me something I already know, but I kind of believe it because the science said. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I feel like I use science as like the anchor, but much of it is just a validation of what we kind of know. And it feels better making sense of things when there's science to back it up. And otherwise it's, it's like also a way to throw out some, to differentiate between what you do know and what you totally told yourself was a story that is completely made up. Yeah. I mean, we grew up, we're told in school as kids, like sciences, this is the culture we grew, grew up in. So we have an implicit bias towards the science that's there. So that's why we can buy it and it's helpful to us. So one of, the, one of the studies that came out years ago at a UCLA um, by this guy, Matthew Lieberman and Naomi Eisenberger, they came out with a study where they put people in front of a screen and they showed them two faces. And one was a face of a, a man making a really angry face. Another one was a woman making a little, a really scared face. And it said Dick and Jane underneath one of it. And the other one they showed to a different group, randomly assigned groups. And they showed them the same faces and then said, tell us how they feel. and the results of this really boosted psychotherapy in a lot of way because, um, and, I'll, and I'll share why, but what happened was the group that saw the Dick and Jane showed a lot of activity in their amygdala, which is the, the emotional center of the brain that does light up when we experience fear. It lights up when we experience other emotions too. And the group that said fear, said she's feeling really afraid and he's feeling really angry, showed more activity in the prefrontal region of the brain. So why that's important is because the prefrontal region of the brain is more involved with emotion regulation and impulse control. So what we got from that is the idea that, okay, if we can name our emotions, there we go. then we're going to cool the jets a little bit, right? And the and, saying. And, and Dan Siegel's saying, name it to tame it, mm -hmm. right? Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So he came up with that, that phrase, name it to tame it. And it's so true, mm -hmm. right? If we name something. So this is the first step. The first step when we're talking about our own anxiety and what's so great with kids right now, one of the things that's so great with kids in schools right now is there's more social and emotional learning integrated in the curriculum now than ever before, where they're really trying to, not all schools, but more and more, trying to help kids recognize their emotions and be able to name them, which can de-escalate their experience and even de-escalate their experience with other kids too. And this works great as a parent. And so for me, the first step is to recognize. So through this process, what I want to do is, is bring you through something that's really simple and really effective. And this is the first step, to recognize. Recognize allows us to bring more blood flow to the prefrontal region, name our emotions. By the way, it helps build emotional intelligence, which has been found to be correlated with all kinds of scales of resiliency and well-being. And, and so we first just kind of name it. It's involved with nonviolent communication. If you're familiar with that, Marshall Rosenberg's work. If you're not familiar with it, yeah, go check it out from here. Great, great stuff. And so name it. The second thing to, to notice is that because we're storing anxiety in our nervous system, it's literally in the nerves of our system, then it's stuck in our body. And so what we need to do is release the energy that's there. 
And what's happening is if it's stuck in our body, then what it's doing is our brain, it's sending signals to our brain of like, there's something to worry about here. And so we start worrying about it more and which brings more fuel to the the nervous system reaction, which makes us worry more. And we just get it. We we just get stuck in a, a sort of a mental habit loop. And so we want to release it. So what are ways, I love to explore this with people, like what are ways of releasing energy? What about you, Elisa? What are ways I was of releasing energy? That. <laughs> <laughs> what are ways of releasing energy for me? Okay. I really exercise is a way answer. of releasing energy. Yeah, I was just going to say like, I'll go for a hike later. Uh-huh, yeah, go for a hike. Um, what if it's not later? What if it's in the moment? Like, I'll give you, I'll give you some ways. Oh, oh good point. The, simple, the simplest way to... Re- release energy is to notice where your body's bracing yeah. and tensing, just like we did in that beginning, that mindful check-in mm-hmm. in the beginning. And just to begin softening the body or like really like opening up areas that are feeling like there's holding. Just so, when you said that, just when you said, how do you do that? Like, what are some ways? I took a breath and softened my neck. And then you said that because you're right. I don't, I wasn't even conscious of that choice, but you willed it. <laughs> it just happens. Like sometimes even just in the recognizing it like happens yeah. automatically. And why do you, why do you think that is because we, because when we step out of the autopilot, our brain's like literally in a loop, it's like in a loop and mm-hmm. we get stuck in this loop. And when we step outside of the loop, our body wants to go into its natural state, which is to feel more common at ease. And it's this loop that's keeping it tense and wound. And when we step outside it for a minute, you'll notice what you might notice is your body just takes this big exhale and watch as you do this, after you listen to this podcast, you'll be like, oh my God, that really happened. And, (laughs) And so that's one way of releasing, taking a deep breath, releasing, softening your body, wherever the tension is very intentionally throughout the day is a wonderful thing of doing. By the way, like no one's watching, turn on some music and dance a little bit. And, and then that's a way of releasing, right? That's a way of releasing our bodies. Dance has become a great way of like exercising and working out and just like having a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. That's a way of releasing (laughs) lots of ways of releasing. We probably won't talk about on this podcast, other ways, but these things happen (laughs) too. Wrong podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So these are just different ways of releasing. So we find our ways to release. So first, again, we'll bring this through this. First, we talked about recognizing, right? And the power behind that, a little bit of the neuroscience behind that, why that works, why that can be effective and as a first step. And then we talked about how anxiety is stored in our body and we're caught in a loop with it. And we have to just really focus on literally releasing it through our body. And now here's where the magic is a little bit. There's there's a lot of magic in those first two steps. Mm-hmm. Here's a little bit more magic. So now... We talked, you mentioned mindfulness in the beginning. So many of your listeners might be familiar with Viktor Frankl's quote, between stimulus and response, there's a space. In that space lies our power to choose our response and our response lies our growth and our freedom. So now what we've done as we've recognized, there's no space when we're caught in anxiety. The moment we react to our kids and shout at our kids or the moment we are mm-hmm. self-critical with ourselves or the moment we just feel out of control. There's no space between the stimulus and response. And, and by recognizing and releasing, we're creating more space between the stimulus and response where choice, possibility, and freedom lie. The choice is always there. We just can't see it. We can't see it. So the moment we recognize and release, we're able to kind of see, okay, so what, what am I actually needing right now? So we want to refocus now. So see how these are just like three R's. We make it really memorable. Mm-hmm. recognize, release, refocus. So we make it really memorable. Refocus is on questions. We're asking ourselves a question. Why are we asking ourselves a question in the refocus part versus just saying like, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. I should go exercise or I should go release my body more, talk to a friend or is because when we ask our brain questions, it searches for answers. It's like, it's like a Siri function. It like, it really does that. So if we ask ourselves like, what's Love wrong that. with me? It will find a lot of things <laughs> wrong with us. If we ask ourselves, like, what, what do we have to worry about? We'll start thinking about all kinds of things we can worry about. But if we ask ourselves a question, what is it I'm really needing right now to support myself? Or what, what's really important for me to focus on right now? Then it's going to search for those answers. And those are going to be more supportive answers that are going to help us 
make a better and healthier choice for ourselves and maybe for our kids. For example, one of the things that's been really helpful for me is when I heard the intervention, I'll just call it that, but the way of kind of relating to my kids of helping me understand like why they should be acting a way I think they shouldn't be acting. Mm. So for example, like why do they get, even still two of my kids still share a room and, and they get crazy at bedtime still, still happening. And of course, as a parent, you're just exhausted and want to rest. And so I can feel like literally the, the tension in my, the, my muscles mm-hmm. starting to contract in my body because I just want to <laughs> get back and spend time with my wife and, and why don't I make sure we have our time? And so, and so then I have to pause and I, I just notice this. I've kind of trained myself at this point. I'm not perfect at it. I want to be very clear about that. that there's lots of imperfection <laughs> here. And, and, but to kind of that, that helps alert me now that's happening and can create that release because there's an implicit programming that's happened at this point. And I can ask myself the question in my good moments, like, why should they be acting this way? So that's my refocus. I recognize a release and the refocus is like this question, why should they be acting this way? And so that helps me like align with them more versus like being against them. It's no longer a battle of me and them. Now it's like, okay, so now we're standing in the same place right now and I can kind of give a a much more skilled response. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, it's funny because it's like, it's such a meta, meta M-E-T-A, not M-E-T-T-A, but it's such a meta thing of like, not only are you doing that in the way that you're asking yourself a question or you're asking yourself a question that gets you to more curiosity and support for your kids instead of the battle, but it also buys you that space so that you can respond instead of react, which is what you're practicing when you're doing your three R's. So there's just this whole system that changes the experience that you have parenting. Because of course, for me, that space, like if I can give my kids that space, that access to that space in life, I will feel like that was my work. <laughs> my work is done. They just need to be able to access that space and they can't if I can't. Yeah. You're, 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 you're teaching them through what I'm hearing you say is you're teaching them through your, your experience with yourself. And that's kind of rubbing off on, on them. Right. And if you can give them that space, yeah, if I can do that with my kids too. And you're like doing that. Right. But you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. So, but yeah. The, oh, well let's not, maybe I shouldn't have said my kids, your kids, because of course, you know, I, I don't want to put that pressure on my parenting or your parenting or our children, but more just the emphasis on the idea of recognizing and the idea of these three R's getting you to access that pause, that space. And whenever you can do that, things go better. Yeah, no, I was, I was aligned with you. The, the If we can give our kids... <laughs> that 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 ability to be able to take that take that space and pause a little bit or or just get more because where things go wrong for us sometimes in life is when we get really contracted and we get really reactive right it goes wrong with ourselves we become terribly self-critical with ourselves and so then we get reactive and we fall into all kinds of bad habits or we get reactive with our kids or we get reactive with our partners we get reactive with people at work or i just did a interview with the New York Times earlier the today around road rage. And it's about, you know, reactive, being reactive, you know, on the road like this. So this is where things really go wrong. And, and so what you're saying, what I hear you saying is if we can give our kids this, like a little bit more space where they feel a little bit more space, they're going to be less reactive in that way mm-hmm. and feel a greater sense of control and autonomy and agency over focusing in the way that is in line with their best health and well-being and the people around them. Yeah. I think that that's the challenge to take on every day for us. Like that finding that that little space in ourselves because it is a place to go back. It's like something to go check in with. And I feel better when I have space between something that feels like I have to react right away and when I just give it a little bit of space so that I give a thoughtful response. And I know 
in parenting, there are so many moments where we feel like if I don't respond immediately and intensely, this, there will be no lesson taught. I want to give you space to talk about that. How can we buy into that space, finding that pause and that space so that we actually have openness to learn? So the, the, as a parent, we have yeah. openness to learn. Yeah. And, and as a kid, actually. I mean, that's the funny thing is this is a parenting podcast, but mm-hmm. of course, all of this is really about we're doing these things. And so it's, it's in the water. Yeah. Sometimes what happens to me is I, in my mind, I think I should be, things should be a particular way. Let's say with me, and I'll give you an example with me and my oldest son, who's 12 years old. I, I think that he's heading in that tween, you know, mm-hmm. spot. And I think like, Hey, how come he's like not wanting to spend the same amount of time with me as he should? <laughs> I know. So sad. And, and so, <laughs> and so, and I'm like, Hey, this isn't, you know, my mind's like doing a little bit of a, a redirect in some way of saying like, you know, he, he should be spending this time with me. Something's clearly not right. Like that. He's not wanting to spend this time in the evening with me that we used to spend the sweet time that we used to have together. And so I have to catch myself. Mm. And what, what's really helpful for me is noticing when I'm feeling hurt in some way, like as a parent and not directing that onto him, like not directing on that kids, but taking a step back. And sometimes it's helpful to talk with somebody, you know, about it or journal about it a little bit when it comes up to this stuff so that we can get that META perspective. And so for me, it was a little bit of a process where I had to take a step back and say, again, like, why should he be acting this way? And I had to see the span of time that he was in right now, that he's entering into this place where, of course, he's supposed to be pushing away a little bit. That's part of his job. And and then there's sadness that comes up with me and that because there's grief, because grief is about loss. And so there's a little bit of loss there. And at the same time, like I can also hold the loss and be with that and then hold the whatever opportunity there is in the future that I'm not even aware of who knows what kind of adventures are going to happen, you know, going forward. But I found myself initially reactive to that and it was a short reaction. And then I had, and then I kind of was able to take a step back and get a little perspective. Thank my wife for that too. (laughs) And that was really, it was really helpful. And that helped me because that, to me, that's what mindfulness is like that. Mindfulness is getting space and perspective. So you can make a wiser response. So you can like really sit in the fullness of it all and um, be skillful in the way that you're being with yourself and the people that you love and the people that you don't even know. When it comes to treating your skin, your unique skin deserves unique care and nothing beats the power of a customized prescription formula. That is why I am thrilled to use Agency. Agency is a future-defining skincare brand that believes you deserve customized products for your dynamic and ever-evolving skin. Starting off with Agency is so easy, and I'm such a fan of easy. It's easy because you just upload any photo of your skin, and they actually tell you even what angle. It takes three seconds, and you answer some questions about yourself. Again, maybe 20 seconds worth. It was so, so easy. And then agency matches you with a licensed dermatology provider who creates a custom formula with research-backed ingredients just for you. And because I am such a fan of time-saving, when I received my custom agency product in the mail, it was a beautiful, easy package, one thing. It was one thing that took care of all my skincare needs. So just one routine for nighttime, not 20 different serums. And so my daily routine is pretty easy. I wash my face and then I put on this agency customized formula and I'm feeling pretty great. This is an easy ad to do. So do what I did and try out agency, the personalized anti-aging skincare that evolves with you. Go to withagency.com slash humans for a free 30-day trial. You just pay $4.95 for shipping and handling. That's withagency.com slash humans to unlock your free 30-day trial. 
www.cwithagency.com for all the details subject to consultation. You guys know busy parents do not have time to eat, let alone roam the aisles for beauty products. And yet it's really nice to have all the good stuff around to help you feel good and just take a little care of yourself. So with that in mind, I have Gemist. I took their quick two-minute hair quiz and their fancy schmancy algorithm matched me with the best shampoo and conditioner. I matched with Shampoo 5, which is best for smoothing hair and detangling. And it increases volume by 42%. And at this point in my life, my once thick hair seems like it needs a little extra help. I also matched with conditioner number 12, which strengthens hair by 72%, reduces hair breakage by 42%. That's very specific to moms who have given birth and have a lot of extra breakage and increases shine by 40%. Plus all Gemis products are color safe. It's such an easy, customized hair service. And I'm so much happier with how my hair looks and feels With Gemist's Smart Subscribe, I also never have to really think about getting shampoo and conditioner again. And you save money. It's pretty cool. And this is a women-owned business. The CEO and founder is a mom, a dog mom, a Harvard grad. And there's a subscription plan that you can save 20% off on every order with Smart Subscribe. You get free shipping. They actually consider your hair length and washing frequency so that they can personalize their subscription so that you don't do what I have often done with subscription things, which is get more things in the mail than I actually was ready for. They have free returns, quality ingredients that are sulfate-free, paraben-free, dye-free. They are not tested on animals and they are manufactured in the U.S. If you're ready for great hair and ease of use, Go for Gemist. And right now, my listeners can give Gemist a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner smart subscription. Smart subscribers already save 20% on each order, so this is a great deal. And with free two-day shipping, you can have it by Monday. Just visit Gemist.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter Raising Good Humans at checkout for 20% off your subscription and free two-day shipping. That's gemist.com, G-E-M-M-I-S-T.com and enter the code Raising Good Humans at checkout to get the best hair ever. Parenting. It's full of twists and turns and ups and downs. And there's a brand new podcast that captures all of that excitement called Stroller Coaster. Stroller Coaster is hosted by Faith Saley, Emmy-winning host from CBS Sunday Morning and NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. It's for parents of kids of all ages. It's fun and informative. It has awesome guests with real-life parenting stories, experts who provide parenting tips, and funny moments every parent can relate to. Stroller Coaster is created by Munchkin, the beloved baby lifestyle brand. So subscribe to Stroller Coaster, a parenting podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Meet the toy that New York Magazine calls Radio Lab for Kids. The Tony Box is a screen-free digital listening experience for little listeners ages three and up. It comes to life paired with Tony's, collectible figurines with stories and songs to share ranging from classic tales to Disney favorites. This Tony Box was invented by two dads who were concerned about the amount of time their kids were spending staring at screens So in addition to the ever-growing collection of content to choose from, controls designed for little listeners, it allows kids to easily adjust the volume, rewind, fast forward, and swap stories all independently, which is kind of nice when you're just looking for a break. Changing stories is really simple. You just change the top of the Tony box and the Tony is magnetically attached to the Tony box. So it's easy for even the little listeners with little fingers and hands. With no screens, cameras, or Wi-Fi, parents get to rest easy knowing that it's safe and secure for their children and that there's not going to be any accidental mishaps or finding something they weren't supposed to because of screens and internet and all of the stuff that we deal with in this modern era. And it has headphones just for those moments when you wanted some quiet. Because there are no wires or need for Wi-Fi connection after the initial setup, the Tony Box is really portable. 
If you've got any summer trips planned or long drives, take story time wherever your family roams. Tony's was the name of one of Fast Company's most innovative education companies of 2021 for sparking learning, curiosity, wonder, and creativity in kids by providing an audio alternative to screen time. Learn more at tonys.com and you get 20% off for podcasters with the code HUMANS20 at www.tonys.com. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I want you to address what happens when you didn't take that space and you just reacted. Like, let's talk about how that's inevitable and the repair that oh, goes yeah. along with it. Right. That's a great point to make of that, 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 so for me, you know, so my, my initial reaction was to keep initially pushing the envelope and saying like, well, hold on a second. He's not wanting to spend time with me. So I should like continue to try and get closer to him. (laughs) I'll continue to sit with him at bedtime and even kind of rub up myself against him. And so, and that didn't work too well. So uh, to be able to recognize for me that this parenting thing and life in general is like so much learning to be had and learning happens in the difficult moments and, and at time and it happened in the wonderful moments too. But for that moment, for me, it was, I, it was a, pro, I, it, was a it was a processing of it because emotions are energy and they, you can feel them in our bodies. That's why they're called feelings. And I had to reconcile a identity relationship that, that I had been holding on to and attached to and had to step into the shift of what actually was, what actually is right now and fall into a place of acceptance. And, and so acceptance to me implies understanding mm. the situation and also caring. And I was caring more about me than I was about him in that period of time. And that was due to my own ignorance and misunderstanding and not having perspective. And, and that's just what it is. We can't foresee everything. And as parents, we're going to be so ignorant at times. Mm -hmm. And, and so we come to terms with it. For me, I come to terms with my own imperfection around it. And I, what I found was uh, more love for myself in that process, in that moment more understanding and caring for him in that process, which has created more ease in our relationship. And it's still a work in progress. Yeah. Called adolescence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the relationship with your adolescence is, a, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm actually in it with you. I want to go a little bit back to anxiety and shift it in the direction of Noticing our kids who are struggling potentially with anxiety as the world opens up and some of the ways to support them with some of these, you know, some of it is these conversations and thinking about it, but some of it is like the practice that becomes manageable for kids and for parents and just like another concrete practice, including the three R's, which I think is really shareable with kids. Totally shareable and remember and memorable. When anything, anything is in threes, our brain can kind of handle that. All right. I have to think <laughs> handle threes. the threes. Yeah. <laughs> if it has three of the same letters, that's even more memorable. You know, I'm just going to reinforce this again, that our, our own anxiety, which comes on the pillars of feeling fear and uncertainty together, will can rub off on our kids obviously and that's not to blame ourselves but it's to say we need to take care of ourselves that's all that means and so i'll kind of start i'll just kind of lay that foundation again just as a reinforcement and for our kids one of the things that i think is kids connect as we do as adults through stories 
And if you tell them to go do a meditation practice, they're not necessarily going to go take your, take your word for it. Depends on the age that they're at. My kids ask for body scans still like almost every night. Can you explain a body scan? Because I actually love those. Yeah, the body. They're really hard to explain. So, but let me, let me, let me first say that my, my kids say they hate mindfulness and they ask for a body scan every night. So (laughs) just first say that. And so the body scan is really wonderful. You know, in the past, in the field of psychology, what we, what we did was we did this thing called progressive relaxation. Progressive relaxation was a process where you brought people through their body and they squeezed their body, they tensed their body and they let go. They tensed their body and let go progressively from the feet to the legs and the hips, all the way up to the face and the head. And that's still kind of an interesting practice to kind of go with and maybe could be really fun with kids sometimes if if you ask yourself to kind of squeeze your face and scrunch your face really up really tight, could be kind of playful and then kind of let it go. The body scan's a little bit more gentle than that where we're not trying to squeeze anything. We're just really noticing these different areas of our body and we can make it really playful depending on the age of the kid. Um, so when kids are really young and they're feeling anxiety, Sometimes it's nice and you can, you can listen to, I have body scans on my YouTube channel that are easy to access. And then you can kind of play with it for your, with yourself. And then you can probably just guide it on your own or never forget the phone call that I got from a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in 20 years. who says, my little seven-year-old girl listens to your body scan like every night. And I'm like, I haven't heard from you in 20 years. Amazing. And so basically you're just bringing someone through their body from their toes you're just having them notice sensations with kids. Sometimes it's nice to just say, notice the, how it's feeling and just let it relax a little bit. You can add in that extra little flavoring to it. Mm-hmm. Adults, we don't really do that because it's not really about relaxation. It's more about notice. It's more about training your awareness to be aware of the sensations. There's a whole lot of benefit to that. But with kids, we just layer in sometimes this and just noticing it relaxed. With little kids, we might say as if a butterfly is landing on your foot. And then then they kind of like brings their attention to their foot. And now it's landing on your knee. And now it's landing on, you know, that kind of thing. So they kind of have a visual. And how much time do you take when you're doing this butterfly landing, which I love. I've never heard that. You know, you can, you can play with it. You know, I wouldn't make, the body scan could be anywhere from two minutes long with the kids to 10 minutes long. Um, It just depends on what kind of time and patience you have at bedtime and the space (laughs) that you're creating. Right. Um, but we just, we just ask them to be curious about notice the sensations and just like, let it relax. Sometimes you can add visualizations. Like it's as if it's as if whatever is there is just kind of dissolving or sinking into the mattress or that kind of thing. And then we go into the, the legs and the, and then we go into the hips and the torso. And again, you can make it more specific depending on what kind of time that you have arms and hands and face and, just everything's just kind of like softening, releasing, relaxing, you know, as we go through these different parts of the body. And then I always end with, with kids, I say, I say breathing in. And then if you're their parent, breathing in, whether you're a single parent or you have two couple parents or whatever the parent situation is, you're breathing in, you can say, this is the way I do it. I say breathing in mommy and daddy's love, breathing out, just relaxing, releasing, just so they can end the night with that oh. kind of visual. Yeah, I love that. And and then that's and then that's it. And then we just and then we end. And but but like almost every night, it seems like that's a, that's a it's a request, right? It's but not they even hate part of mindfulness. Our, yeah, and they hate mindfulness and they hate <laughs> mindfulness. Although my my middle son made sure to bring one of our new, uh, we have a new mindfulness based stress reduction card deck that just came out. Made sure to bring that to his school to kind of show whoever he was showing. So he obviously has some putting... some proud in some way about it. So doing something like that body scan as a practice is something that can help just get you to notice and be in whatever space you're in right then and get away from being plagued with anxiety in that moment. So with the kids, if you're doing with your kids, it's something just kind of connecting to do together and it trains their mind to be aware of their body. Mm-hmm. and how they can kind of like be aware and soften their body. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of priming their minds, planting seeds for them for the future. Mm-hmm. As an adult, it's really wonderful to do this practice. You're not so much like focused on relaxing these areas of your body. You can do it like that, but you're really just curious about the sensation that's there. It's as if you're taking your mind and embodying that part of your body and just noticing the sensation. So why would you do that? You do it because 
it's not so much about the body. It's more about your, your attention. And when you're attending to something, mm. remember thoughts and worries are like fuel for our anxiety. It's like the fuel. Mm. One thing we know about the brain is that when you are focused on something, the part of your mind that's like thinking and worrying and planning, the volume on the activity on that goes down. And a simple example of this that I love to give and is, I'll give another one in a second, but the, is like, when you, you know, when you're eating a really good meal and you like are tasting that meal and it's so good, you're not typically worrying so much in that moment. You're not, wor- you're not like aware of your thoughts as much. When you're really worrying about something, and even if it's a really good meal in front of you for a lot of people, they won't really taste the meal. Mm. And so the faculty, the, 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 the faculty of the brain is that you, when you're attending to something, you naturally turn the volume down on the thinking, which is the fuel for our anxiety. So you're not trying to turn the volume down in your thinking. You're not like, I got to quiet my mind. I have to erase thoughts in my mind, something like mm-hmm. that. It's more that I'm actually focusing on something else that actually turns the lever down on this. Mm-hmm. And so with the body scan, what we're doing is we're training ourselves just to bring something that's physical and tangible to these different parts of our body. As we're doing that, what we're also doing is training our mind to be more present and we're training it to turn the volume down in our thinking. And where this came in handy really for me specifically was when I used to have issues with insomnia and I used to have a terrible time falling asleep. Like it was awful for me. It was like, it, you know, it, it was you know, kind of like, it was kind of like a trauma in, in some way. And so, but when I understood how this all worked, like how my, how my brain worked, like how that, how that operates, I began to trust myself. This is where like science can help us. I began to trust myself a little bit more that if I just stayed with this ability to come to my body when I'm noticing the anxiety there, the tension there, my mind is racing, there's something going on. I just notice it. I, I do that practice that we started with, that mindful check-in. And I allow myself just to come to my breath. Maybe it's, I make it a little bit deeper for a few breaths and then I just allow it to come to my breath. Then I know if I can steady my mind there a little bit, then it's going to turn the volume down on my thinking. But what typically happens for anyone here who struggles with insomnia or sleep issues is your mind, it's going to be a little bit like training a, a wild horse. And because it's going to buck you off like a number of times and tell you this isn't working and it's not going to work. But if you can just trust the neuroscience behind it, if you can first pause, soften your body, come back to it and just come back and say, if I can just stay with this. And the body scan is wonderful because it gives you, again, something tangible to anchor to bring yourself to your body. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about falling asleep. Just kind of allow yourself to get curious about the sensations, bring yourself up. It helps if there's guidance. And then that will naturally, your body wants to go to rest. And so anyway, it trains your ability to be more present to what's Mm -hmm. actually happening in your life. And what are some things to say for those in the moment? So some of these things are, you're not doing them in the heat of the moment because- you're practicing for the heat of the moment. And yep. what are some things that you can say in the heat of the moment for your brain to kind of punch the alarm code? To turn yeah, it off, not on. There's a uh, a wonderful practice that I've, ever since I learned it, I've integrated into all of my programs and I thought it was so brilliant, which is comes from a, a couple, and I don't know if they exist as an organization like this anymore, but they may, they're called Improv HQ. And Mm. it's it's a couple of women who they taught me how to celebrate mistakes and Mm. celebrate those tough moments. And so what we want to do when we're having a tough moment or when the heat of the moment is contract and, you know, we're, we're really getting into that fight response typically, or if it's anxiety, it's maybe the flight response or freeze. And so what we want to do is through our body, do the exact opposite. So you know how in, in couples therapy or in sometimes the couples we or in different areas, there's a, a word that's used to name what's happening in the moment and diffuse the situation. So in this type of experience, so there's, we're contracting normally. So we want to do is the exact opposite, a little bit like opposite action and, and, and something called dialectical behavior therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marshall and Ann came up with opposite action as a term. And we'd want to do the exact opposite that our brain wants to do. So instead we celebrate the moment. And so we literally throw our hands up and we go, woohoo, 
We do this thing. And so what that does is it causes maybe a smile. It's a little bit like a little dissonance. Our brain like short circuits for moments is like, what's happening? So it cuts us out of autopilot. And then we're literally, oh, well, we do that and we throw our arms up. If you could see me right now, throwing my arms up, I'm literally opening my body, which is the exact opposite of the contraction. And by mm-hmm. doing something like, woohoo, <laughs> I'm opening my vocal cords, <laughs> which normally they're tensing in that moment. Right. So as something to kind of snap ourselves out of that, mm-hmm. you know, so I, a way to kind of train for this a little bit is just to notice where there's like little mistakes in the day and do that. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you'll have a whole <laughs> lot of fun with it. And in the tougher moments, if, if that becomes more top of mind for you, because you've practiced it. So it makes it more top of mind. It's more retrievable mm-hmm. in that moment. And you do it. It's going to, it's something's going to happen. It's going to create a little shift in that, in that tougher moment that's there. And anything that can, like laughing is breathing. So oh, yeah. if nothing else, it gets, Laughing's the antidote. It gets yeah. you to breathe. Um, I love that. And it's, that is like, I mean, I can see my teenagers making fun of that. And, <laughs> and also- but would they be laughing while making fun of it? Exactly, exactly. Um, one of the things that I think is important for all of us to understand as a foundational principle to parenting or reparenting ourselves mm. or our relationship with our kids is that connections at the epicenter of well-being, connections at the epicenter of resiliency. So when we talked about before this idea of repair, with me and my oldest son, let's say, and in that moment. So first we need to, when we are able to connect with ourselves, we tend to feel better. We're disconnected with ourselves. That's how when we feel depressed and anxious, typically. And um, if we can move toward, and we can't always get the connection that we want with our kids in that way. So we have to find what are the avenues Mm -hmm. we can connect around. But what we notice is when we start to move in that direction, we tend to feel better. And so just thinking, we, I don't, I'm not going to give the answer for like, what does connection look like for every single person? Because we don't know it's different for everyone, but just to understand that and do an inquiry around it for yourself. If connection is at the epicenter of well-being, what does that look like for me with myself as a parent and with my kids? And what can I do to, to move more in that direction? And if it's only with myself as a foundation, what does that look like? <laughs> 